0: A road is just a road, but a Jeep SUV isn't just an SUV. Come see for yourself at the Jeep Start Something New sales event. During Owner Appreciation Month, financing at 3750 total cash allowance on the purchase of select 2020 Jeep Compass Latitude 4x4 models in dealer stock the longest. On oldest 20% inventory of 2020 Jeep Compass Latitude models as of one 2020 in dealer stock. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 2-3-2020. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hey, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution coming to you from Mercedes-Benz Stadium with another edition of Southern Fried Soccer. Uh, Atlanta United was beaten by Sporting Kansas City 2 to nothing here on Wednesday in a matchup of the top team in the East versus the top team in the West. I'm joined, as always, for these post-game discussions by Jason Longshore of 92.9 and SoccerDownHere.com.
1: Hey, what's up? I have a little bit of a voice left.
0: Uh, a couple of housekeeping notes here as we get into the game uh, Atlanta United had a goal disallowed uh, Scored by Joseph Martinez After uh, Mark Geiger went to the video replay system He ruled that Martinez was in an offside position Which everyone knew he was in an offside position And disallowed the goal uh, We're going to talk about that in just a second um, That was followed by a red card To Brad Guzan um a few not a few minutes later, but about ten minutes later in the game, uh that came on a tackle of Kiri Shelton. Just outside the box. Guzan went off. Paul Christensen, the fourth string goalkeeper, uh who did not have a minute of MLS experience, came in and performed well for the mm-hmm. most part. He did. Uh and then Sporting Kansas City finally broke through with goals. Uh the red cards in the thirty fourth minute Sporting Kansas City broke through with goals by Daniel Saloy in the 67th minute and Fernandez in the 87th minute that I need to see a replay of because, to me, he looked about 10 yards offside.
1: He was on. We did get a good look okay. at that and, and a still shot. He was on. The, I thought he was off, too, watching it live.
0: The loss uh, snaps Atlanta United's eight-game unbeaten streak. Uh, they are still atop the East. Um, if they went beat Orlando on Sunday, they'll stay on top of the East. If they lose to Orlando and NYCFC wins on Saturday, they will go back atop the Eastern Conference. So, Jason, let's talk about the disallowed goal because you and I have different opinions on the play.
1: We do, and and the referee crew uh, was, was on your side of it. Um, it's a very... It's a big judgment call i mean and that, that's why these referees get paid to do this and that's why mark geiger is drawing assignments you know in a, in a world cup back-to-back world cups but the the it comes down to was it a deliberate play on the ball because if it was a deliberate play by the defender and the ball falls to joseph martinez it should have stood and in the written response to the question Uh, the referee crew, and we're assuming this was, was from Geiger said that the defender reacted by planting his foot on the ground in an attempt to block the ball. The ball hit him deflecting to the Atlanta player in the offside position. Doesn't really answer the deliberate part of it. And if, in my opinion, if he's planting his foot on the ground in an attempt to block the ball, that's a deliberate action to, to, to play the ball. Um, it's judgment call, I think this one's just difficult because it was called a goal on the field. It went to VAR on the advice of Edvin Jersevich, the video assistant referee, and Geiger went to the replay monitor, looked at it, was in conversation, and overturned the call on the field. I think he got it wrong, and I think the the explanation is a cop out trying to, to figure out a way to justify it. And I don't think he does with that response.
0: I think uh, the call was correct because while the defender, it was uh, was Madronda, made a deliberate play on the ball, what he was trying to do wasn't deliberate. He was simply trying to make a play. He wasn't trying to deliberately pass it backward to Joseph.
1: That part doesn't matter. It's a deliberate play on the ball. It's not about a deliberate play that would direct it towards Joseph, it's just a deliberate play. And this is where the laws of the game haven't been modified a ton, but this is a a specific section that in the last, I believe, four years, it has been modified to be a little more specific in the situation. Because I remember, as a kid growing up, when I played, if the ball came off a defender, period, you were onside. Now it's more specific in that deliberate phrasing. and. From the explanation that the referees gave, I feel like it was a deliberate action. Even if it wasn't a kick, it was a deliberate action to block the pass. Judgment call, win against Atlanta tonight, it would have changed the game. It would have completely changed the trajectory of the match.
0: Yeah, Atlanta has experience holding on to one nothing leads with 10 men. Uh, they did it against Minnesota United this season. Uh, the Guzan red card. What do you think? Uh, that's another one. Uh, we've seen Almiron do this, when you, when, and you've seen other players do this. When they get in a one-on-one situation with a the goalkeeper, they try to draw the foul by kicking the ball away, basically, as the goalkeeper approaches. I, I, 95% of the time, there's no way the player's going to be able to catch up to the ball again. This was the case again in this play. There's no way that Shelton is going to get to that ball. Leandro Gonzalez-Perez is coming and has the goal covered and is coming toward the pass. So while I do think it was a foul, I was a little skeptical that it was worthy of a red card.
1: Yeah, it's another judgment one. Um, I'm assuming that the referees decided that Gazan was denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. I'm assuming they felt that he was the last man there. Gonzalez-Perez was even with the tackle, but he was maybe five to eight yards to the right of it. Um, questionable if Shelton would have got on the end of that after the, the heavy touch away from Gazan. It was a misread by Parkhurst on the initial ball that led to it.
0: It wasn't a misread. Okay. Uh, Parkhurst said the ball skipped over his toe.
1: There you go. So okay. he
0: thought he had it is stunned that he didn't get it so the ball just skipped over his foot Guzan thought that Parkhurst was going to get it so he hesitated for a second which stopped his momentum um, or he could have gotten there too
1: yeah that makes more sense
0: the whole deny a clear and obvious goal scoring (laughs) opportunity is weird to me If the player kicks the ball so far away that he can't get to it, it's no longer a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Agreed. Uh, But anyway, that's just another one of the weird things about this game. Um, (laughs) Yep. Still, Atlanta United created numerous chances, more chances than Sporting KC created, uh, to to either win the game or tie the game. Kevin Kratz, two fantastic free kicks, put them both on goal. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, Melia. Have you seen
1: the replay on the first save?
0: Yeah. Well, I've only seen it from the one angle that.
1: Have you seen the Matt Beazler clearance in front of Melia?
0: I heard there was a handball. Yeah.
1: yeah, it was it was pretty clear, and this is where the whole VAR process is is a little frustrating because it's used to great degree on the judgment call that was determined to be a clear and obvious error on the Martinez goal. Mm-hmm. It was not used, at least in terms of going to look at it. We don't know what conversation was had on that one, that when you see it, it's pretty clear and obvious that the hand is up above the head and the ball goes out.
0: So that was on the first Kratz save? That was kick? on the
1: first save. Okay. Yeah, it's... It's one of those games. I mean, you know, you can go through this with a lot of matches and you can drive yourself crazy. And that's what Atlanta United cannot do at this point is all of that frustration has to stay here tonight. You cannot carry this into tomorrow and Friday and into Orlando because it's not going to have any effect on the match in Orlando. And you're going up against a team on a hot streak who's trying to prove themselves against you.
0: I'm going to be curious to see who starts in goal. Yeah. Because it won't be Gazan. Nope. Um,
1: Alec Hildebrandt. Kan? Has
0: returned to training? I've, I've seen him out there training, but he's not training with the team. He's training by himself. Can has not been out there training.
1: Goalkeepers.
0: So, eh, I mean. But who, okay. Let's say Christensen gets the start, who's a fourth round. Super draft pick this season mm-hmm. uh, has had no experience in Major League Soccer. Has played a couple of times for Atlanta United two. Yes.
1: Um, I thought he looked good. Tonight. Yeah, he looked honestly. Fine. Yeah, I don't think there he were any fine. issues with him. A little bit of distribution um, mistakes, but yeah. I think that was nerves. Uh,
0: he was he was a good interview after the game too. Good. I'm going to write something about him in the morning uh, whenever I get out of here. Um,
1: I know that, but now. I don't know
0: who the backup goalkeeper is going to be.
1: Yeah, and it's tricky because you get four emergency call-up situations if it's judged to be an emergency. And that for a goalkeeper, it's a little bit easier to pull this off than a field player because you play a field player out of position. There's only so many people who are going to play goalkeeper. And you have an international slot issue with the other ATL-UTD goalkeeper, uh, Nico Okoro, because he would count as an international, and you don't have the international slots to use to get that done. You'd have to make some loans. You could move
0: Shannon down for a game.
1: He's already on the ATL-UTD roster, the, the twos roster. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's loaned to create it's that space. It's a Rubik's Cube. They You'd can have to find out. someone on the first team roster that you would loan to the twos for the weekend to create the international slot. It can be done, but who would it be? I don't know. I don't know. It's tricky. We didn't think we'd be into this situation. Yeah.
0: Um, It's a little bit like the Minnesota game last year when Tabacca's had to come in. Yeah. Um, But anyway, that's neither here nor there. How did you think the 4-3-3s worked tonight? It's the first time they've played it extensively. Uh, Since week one, they only got to play it for 34 minutes.
1: I thought they were growing into it. Um, I I made a point to write down some stats at – the, the ins- at the red card spot, and I think I missed it by a minute or two, but possession was 54-46 Atlanta. Shots were 8-4. Kansas City did not have a shot on goal yet. Um, they had a little bit of a run of, the run of the play in the lead-up to the red card, mm-hmm. but I felt like it was a very even game edging towards Atlanta with the 4-3-3. I thought Vishalba was growing into the game as mm-hmm. it happened. He was a yeah. little rusty at first, yeah. but had a great chance – that Melia saved at the near post. I feel like, you know, and this is just a gut feeling. I feel like Atlanta would have found a way to get on the board in the four three three or the four two three one. I don't know if Kansas City would have. I felt like the game was starting to tilt towards Atlanta as it went on, and I feel like they would have found a way in the second half. I don't think there's any problem with playing the four two three one in Orlando and that's what they're gonna come out in.
0: Yeah, I thought they played well. Uh, That was the sad. The other sad thing about the red card is it robbed us of a chance to continue to see Viaba, Barco, Mm -hmm. Martinez, and Almiron on the field for the first time together all season. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll see it against Orlando um, because that would be fun. And and they had some moments. uh, Barco's kind of mazy run led to that goal that was uh, disallowed. Yeah. But we do need to talk for a minute about the problem that is Joseph Martinez and offside. Because there have now been at least two goals this season, Mm -hmm. I think three, that have been disallowed because he just continues to play offside. The goal against Chicago last week, if Nagby hadn't dribbled past him and passed it backward, he was offside by five yards again on that play. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The first goal that was called back offside, the Nagby goal from earlier this season, there's nothing he can do in that situation because he made the run on the the cross from Gressel that he's made a hundred times. And it's led to goals before Gressel cut it back and Martinez was in an offside position because of the cutback. There's really nothing you can do there. There is a concern because... I don't feel like Joseph Martinez needs to play it that close on the line because he has good speed. Right. He has borderline great speed. I think he could be a little more cognizant of the play and and make the decision to even give the defender a step because I feel like he's going to beat the defender anyway with that step. It, it's it's an issue. I don't think all of the offside calls are. Are judged equal. I think there's some like the the free kick one that was judged offside. He always lines up offside in that situation on a free kick and it's the focal point for the kicker and it brings the defenders back on. But I think I would like to see in the 4-2-3-1 Martinez more involved in the build up and not just in the final touch on a goal. If he gets more involved in the build-up, he's going to be coming from a little bit deeper position. I think he's more dangerous that way to begin with. So I'd like to see him making more of those runs rather than standing on the shoulder of the last defender and sometimes misjudging it.
0: Yeah, it's an odd thing. I, I tweeted this earlier that Martinez, throughout the game, lives in an offside position, close to goal. But there have been so many fantastic crosses put in The past few weeks, including some tonight, one by Viaba and one by Almiron, Mm -hmm. right across the face of the goal. And Martinez is nowhere to be found. He's not even remotely close to the ball. Uh, Or, no, I shouldn't say that. That's not fair.
1: Yeah, there was one or two. He's been close on one. He was not
0: close to the other. Right. Um, I mean, all those crosses that Gretzel has put in time after time that have been great, Martinez isn't there. Um, It's just, there's some, it's like, The mojo or the karma is off just a bit right now. When Martinez is making the run, the crosses are cut back. When Martinez stays back, the crosses are going across the goal. So I think it'll probably even out eventually. But for right now, it's just some wasted opportunities.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've known this from when the signing happened, that Joseph Martinez is a streaky goal scorer. And he will go through a hot streak where everything is in sync. He's timing his runs the right way. And he goes through stretches like this where it feels like he's you know, just frustrated and looking for that edge to, to be right on the line. needs to just simplify the game. And, and I feel like this is something that the team can do very intentionally is to try to bring him into the play a little bit more and get him touches early and keep him engaged in the match. I would feed him as much as possible the first 10 minutes in Orlando. I would have him running at, at probably Tarek and Mane, running at them, trying to put them off, really putting Orlando under pressure, feed him, feed him, feed him. Worst case, you're going to be looking for the second ball if the defender does get in the way, does make the block or the deflection. I, I think you need to keep him engaged to get the best out of Joseph Martinez, and you need to do it from the as, as, as start, as close to the start opening whistle as possible.
0: All right. All right, we are going to wrap this up now. Uh, We've been talking for about 16 minutes. Uh, Jason, what do you have coming up?
1: Uh, I guess it's going to be an overreaction Thursday on Soccer Down Here uh, tomorrow. (laughs) Thursday, thoughts gone wild. I don't know what it's going to turn into. But uh, 9 a.m. blogtalkradio.com slash Soccer Down Here. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Soccer Down Here.
0: All right. I've posted a game story that doesn't have quotes. I'm working on that. Uh, By the numbers, I'll post a man of the match. And then tomorrow, I'll post the player ratings, uh, probably a quote board, uh, definitely a feature on Paul Christensen because I expect he's going to play some role on Sunday, I guess Orlando, because there's nobody else left uh, unless Alec Kahn makes a remarkable recovery. Um, and again, Christensen was a good interview after the game. Uh, I've also posted something on Geiger's explanation of tonight's disallowed goal. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Again, it's called Southern Fried Soccer. Atlanta United was defeated by Sporting Kansas City two to nothing here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The loss snaps Atlanta United's eight-game unbeaten streak. It will return to action on Sunday night at Orlando. Thank you, Jason.
1: Appreciate it. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nigat, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.